0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fennelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. It is our Week 11 Instant Reaction Show. We have Utah on a carrying a 14-7 to 7 lead. Right now against Stanford late in the second quarter. Very interesting. Even more interesting, Arizona with a 14-7 to lead on the UCLA Bruins. What does that mean, especially in the wake of Washington's upset win against Oregon in Altson Stadium? Uh, A lot to get down into, a lot to break down from the top 25 perspective to the conference title race perspective. We will be going over the biggest games. We will be going conference by conference. And of course, we will have our projections of what the new AP top 25 looks like on Sunday. Tennessee and Missouri, you will have your chance. Jordan, salute to you. I'm glad that I was able to be freezing cold taked at the moment that that went bust.
2: But your own show. I know.
0: Man. It's okay. Cold. I'm, I, I'm too excited about other things that we have to get to because we have to get to the Hypnotoad keeping the magic run going. We have to get to, obviously, the fallout from the Pac-12. We have to get to this LSU team clinching the SEC West via – An ugly win against an Arkansas team without KJ Jefferson and Alabama going into Oxford and getting a hard-fought win against the Rebels. Also, man, the Vanderbilt Commodores getting their first SEC win of the Clark Lee era. I'm...
2: Had Clark crying in the club.
0: I am so excited that we are going to get a chance to break that down as well. So much to get to. I, I thought that we could begin with TCU in Texas. And there's a couple angles to this, obviously. The beginning before we get to the Texas side of this is TCU because this was not the script there wasn't a backup quarterback. All the backup quarterback frauds like, oh, TCU, the only reason they're good in the second half is because they all beat up all backup quarterbacks. Well, guess what? Their defense showed up from the start of the game and brought the heat to Quinn Ewers. And Quinn Ewers, man, came up with like a couple of good throws. But for the most part, the game as a whole, I, I, I don't have the box score in front of me, but I grade it as a eh, kind of performance for Ewers, especially giving his ceiling. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with TCU. Maybe some of it has to do with Steve Sarkeesian. Where do you want to go first on TCU's win in Austin as an underdog of more than a touchdown against the Longhorns?
3: Chip, you said it was an eh performance. I think it was more like eh, crash into the damn mountain, dude. I mean, it it was 17 of 39 for a buck 71, no touchdowns and a pick. I mean, they couldn't throw the ball. TCU sold out to stop Bijan and said, hey, throw it if you can. And, like, TCU's defense here with coordinator Joe Gillespie, I, I think they deserve all the credit in the world. And this Texas – Texas just put up, what, 35, 38, something like that last weekend in Manhattan. They ran all over Kansas State, which is a pretty good offense. Like, K- Kansas State today destroyed Baylor. Texas you know, is, is coming off that. And, uh, and and TCU goes in there. Did Texas score an offensive touchdown tonight? No. No yeah
2: yeah they had the scoop and score that's it yeah i mean
3: they they had 199 yards in their own building shout out tcu's defense here like that was a hell of we did talk about this by the way in the offseason i like remember how how talking to these coaches in the american they're like i hate playing tulsa i hate playing tulsa and the hire of joe gillespie who is is where Sonny dykes got the dc from from tulsa Uh, i thought he
2: called a really good game tonight He, he just he pants sark dude yeah, that outfit Sark was wearing pregame. That's when I knew Texas was doomed. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was, uh, it was an interesting choice, an interesting decision with the fashion there. But uh, it's, I think it's great for TCU in that they had this kind of game which was completely different than anything we've seen from them all year in which their offense struggled quite a bit itself for the most part. I mean, they averaged only 3.9 yards per play and they had they finished with 283 yards of offense and 75 of them came on the one run by Miller in the fourth quarter to put the game away but they still won. So it's it's kind of funny that the one night you know like we talked about this team all year they've been unable to blow teams out because defensively they weren't stopping anybody and the one night the defense is working the offense isn't doing enough to kind of help them pull away but to get this win I think is huge. Quinn Ewers was terrible tonight. I mean, his receivers dropped about 5 passes, but even if you take that away, that's still only 17 for 34 for right. 171 yards and I know I said about a month ago he was the best quarterback in the country, but I was joking and you fell for it. So well, yeah, it's joking. Feel dumb. I
0: said, yeah, yeah. Tennessee under was just a big joke too, right? Yeah. yeah thank Ewers- God Jordan
2: didn't have that clip ready. Thank you, Jordan.
0: Well, I didn't you didn't hit quite to the uh the soul there on uh on, on the Quinn Ewers piece of this. The are the are the Longhorns still gonna hold a spot because they've got four losses now, like they are fighting an uphill battle TCU has clinched one of the spots in the big 12 championship game. Like we've already solved that math. Now it's going to be uh, a Kansas state team, which came away with, I mean, we can save the conference by conference for later. Kansas state had a very impressive win at Baylor. (laughs) Will Howard, your best quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Getting hurt is a good thing. Uh, But again, we can save that for later. Is Texas done? Like, Is the relevancy of this Longhorns team done? And what does a Texas fan who, who's been riding a roller coaster all season think about the 2022 season as it stands right now?
2: I mean, they're not mathematically done, but if you just look at how things break down, they've, they've got to play Kansas and Baylor. And so they've got the tiebreaker over Kansas State. So if Kansas State loses one of its final games, and technically they can still get in, they just need a lot of help. And frankly, I don't think they're going to get there just because I, it's a flawed team. Yeah, I mean,
3: look, they, they could get there, but I, I doubt it. I, I think Kansas State is probably going to be in the driver's seat now. So I I, I agree with Tom. Though, like We've not seen a game and, and with Chip like this from TCU.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it was it was nice. The only thing I can really remember is we did kind of see a game like this early on. It kind of felt like the one at Colorado where their offense didn't do a damn thing for quite yeah, a long for like time. Like the half, yeah. Colorado frustrated them, and then they hit a couple explosive runs like they did in this one. And the defense kept kept playing really well for the whole night. But that's that's been a couple months since then. So I'm I was excited to see this defense
2: play this well. Like this is a
3: TCU's is a good team, man.
2: Speaking of defense is playing well. I hope you just saw the tackle attempt by Arizona's defensive packs on that UCLA touchdown.
0: I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy. Uh, I'm too busy. Efforting right now. <laughs> Eff- I'm, I'm, I'm efforting. I, I, the chat's asking for it. If you're listening right now, you understand what the stakes and situation are. We are <laughs> efforting to try to make it happen. Will it happen? I don't know. I'm very happy. For the situation at hand that has led to all this effort but we're trying to get it trying to get it together okay tcu side of this before we move on at baylor iowa state at home they've clinched a spot in the big 12 title game but clearly the college football playoff especially after this performance and legitimately trying to compete for a national championship are the conversation around this team what is the confidence that tcu can make it to, let's just say, can make it to Dallas
2: with a zero in the loss column. That Iowa State game's like terrifying right now because that team just drags everybody into the muck with it every single week. And seeing the way that they kind of struggle today to move the ball offensively and how Iowa State has done that to other teams. It's like, I think they're going to get by Baylor because as I, I talked earlier, I'm not a I'm not big on Baylor. I thought that was evident tonight in the Kansas State game. But I just feel like that Kansas State game is, or the Iowa State game, is such a trap, kind of tricky situation. But I think they're going to get there. I do. I think they will be undefeated when they get to Dallas, and they will be at that point a win away from a playoff berth. I
3: I think they have a pretty good shot to get there. Yeah, I mean, like, I if I had to just if I had to put odds on it, they're probably not greater than fifty percent to to go twelve and zero. But if I had to pick like one specific record, you know, and like give you the games, I'm I'm picking them to win both those ball games. Like Baylor's going to have to prove it to me. Kansas State ran all over them tonight, so yeah, I I agree with Tom here. I, I think he's I think he's spot on. Uh, will they be favored in a rematch with Kansas State?
2: I would think so, not by a ton, but I would say probably by three to four points.
0: I haven't looked at a power ratings in a couple weeks.
2: You're just going off vibes these days.
0: Yes, He's can you vibing. not tell? <laughs> yeah. yeah, slightly above or so. What, what's my what's my locks for this week? Is it what four and three? I think you're four and, and four. four. Four and four. Yeah. So all vibes, baby. That's it.
2: Just that paying fun. the vig. <laughs>
0: um. No, I I have not. I'm surprised that it would be three or four. I I would think that TCU would get a full touchdown, but. I would look it up before having to speak on it. That's just probably some bias from uh, from what we saw at this point in the season. Um, okay, Oregon and Washington was not the game that we expected. And I say that not because of, you know, the locks or our discussion about the way that these two teams are going to be able to go back and forth, the fact that Washington's defense, bad against the pass, bad against the run, everything that Oregon's offense could do, the game did kind of break out and got a little bit loose. But also, there are some coaching decisions that we could question. Bo Nix maybe turned into a little bit of a pumpkin, had a little bit of a midnight moment himself. It wasn't on the road. It was at home. And while the Ducks still remain very much in the thick of this Pac-12 title race, I do think that our analysis of Oregon has to be reframed after seeing the home loss to Washington, right?
3: I I think that it's just... a, a. it's just a bit of degree, right? We talked on the Wednesday show when we did this preview that Oregon's weakness was its secondary and how many really good passing attacks had they seen so far this year. And we thought if Washington had a chance, it would be because they could just roast the secondary. We, we, we go back to talking to Matt Prem over summer on, on the cover of YouTube channel. He's like, yeah, there, there's a chance the secondary is really bad. The rest of the team, probably pretty good. And I mean it showed it tonight. Penix was thirty-five throws for four hundred and eight yards. He just couldn't get any stops. He had guys wide open almost the, the entire night. what was the uh what was the coaching decision that we, we were questioning on it?
0: So we had uh going forward on fourth and two in your own territory, not in plus oh, at the court. end of the game? No, at the end of the first half. Okay. You had the onside kick uh attempt. There were like a couple of calls in a row where it got a little bit dicey, and I think the game got squirrely late second quarter, early third for the Ducks.
2: I didn't mind the onside kick because I thought, you know, it's the same thing that they did against UCLA.
0: Oh, I know. Yeah. They
2: were trying to steal a possession in a game in which Dan Lanning's pretty sure his defense isn't going to get many stops unless Penix makes a mistake, and there was the mistake Penix made right through the interception in the red zone.
0: Yeah, I don't have any problem with the – and I don't have any problem in the fourth quarter, like – It's on Bo Nix. You know, like I don't have any problem going for it when Bo Nix drops the snap early in the game.
3: Mm -hmm. And going for it with the backup there is absolutely the right move because you have certainty as to what you need to do. Like if you punted away, the the chance that you actually get a stop there is really low. See, I very much disagree with that. You should have punted. You would punt it away with a minute 40
2: and two timeouts? Yeah, of course I would. With my backup quarterback in? Yes. As opposed to that really good offensive line so
3: you can get a yard?
2: The really good offensive line got shoved into the backfield in that play, and then the guy slipped because the hole wasn't there because they just sold out because they knew you had your backup QB in, and they were not worried about him in the slightest.
3: Yeah, but isn't that kind of hindsight? I mean, you ran for 312 tonight.
2: Like I, I would have punted before that happened.
3: I think your odds of, of winning the, the ball game are much better if you go for it than if you punt the ball away.
2: I disagree because you're already putting Washington in field goal range, and their kicker's very good. So I mean, if you don't get it, the game's over.
3: Washington drives right. in the second half were 65, 75, 98,
2: 65, and then you know the eight-yard field goal drive at the end. Mm-hmm. But if you're Washington and you're just trying to drive to get into field goal position at that point, maybe you do a little better job because they're not tearing you over the top. I just. I don't think you did yourself any favors with making that decision. Like, I understand the reasoning. If Bo Nix is in there, I'm going for it. And I'm lining him up under center, and I'm doing a QB sneak. With my 170-pound quarterback, who's not played all year, didn't play any last year, I'm not going in shotgun on fourth and one because I know he's not going to take the ball, and I can't line him up under center because he's never taken any snaps under center probably in in his life. And they just completely sold out, and it was an easy stop. I just—it was so predictable what they were going to do. You knew the play before the snap. It's just, I—I uh, I thought it was—I would—I would have punted.
0: Did y'all hear Chris Peterson on the halftime show talking about Washington and Oregon? No, no. Oh, it was awesome. He was—they—they they set him up so all he had to do was talk about everything Washington was doing great. <laughs> they just—they just trashed everything that Oregon was doing wrong. They're like. Coach, what do you think? He was like, Well, I like the way Washington is doing things right now. You know, he's got the big smile. You know, like Chris Peterson's got like yes. a good smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way Washington's doing things right now. They're, they're running and they're passing. They're normally a pass first team, but now they're, they, he was, it was an extremely, uh, like not biased, but, it, but just a fun position to put him in uh, on the desk, having him comment on Washington uh, in this spot.
2: What was kind of funny to me was at halftime of that game, that game was on Fox. The FS1 game was Kansas State and Baylor, which was at halftime at the same time, and it was the same halftime crew doing different halftimes at the same time. So the Kansas State-Baylor one had been recorded, obviously, and they were just showing highlights. And it was just (laughs) because I was freaking out because I'm looking at my TVs, and I've got Emmanuel Acho on two screens at once, but he's doing two completely different
4: things.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, yeah, it's... It's kind of like when we need to tape the D block 15 minutes before the show, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you just rip through the top 25 (laughs) highlights and then just go (laughs) to get that in the can. So we'll be ready to go, make it easier on everybody. Um,
2: uh, Going back to coaching decisions. I also did not like Washington going in the jumbo package on that fourth down. Cause like, why would you do that when that's completely not who you are? And it allowed Oregon who hadn't been able to stop you all night to just load the box and get penetration and stop you and hold you to the field goal there. So, I didn't like that. Uh,
0: well, I, so yeah, what was the final sequence? Because I'm I'm not claiming to have like had my my head buried in a couple different assignments at once. Um, like, what led to the final sequence? Like before, like before Washington got the final field goal. Like, what was the well, what was Bo the Nix got.
2: Bo Nix got knocked out in the previous possession. He took a big hit on the shoulder, but then, like a couple seconds later, apparently it was his ankle that hurt him. I I don't know. Like he was trying to walk off the shoulder, and then all of a sudden he just went to the ground, took a funny step, and he was couldn't walk off the field. And then he was missing that possession. And they were just—it's like you're in that game, in that situation, in the biggest game of the year for you. At that point, you've got your backup QB in, so they went very conservative. And then they found themselves in fourth and one deep in their own territory, and they decided to go for it.
0: Mm. so bonix heisman's done
2: uh yeah probably yeah. i don't michael penix might jump into the picture though no
0: no way no. you know what
2: i want to we've been trashing the coaching i will say the one thing i really like about what washington and caitlin debord does because my one critique of michael penix has always been like he's he's got the rocket arm but he has like if he was a pitcher he has no breaking stuff like he's got a fastball yeah. And he's got a change up if it's like a short little dump off to the running back. So I think the board does an amazing job of completely building the offense around Michael Pettix's fastball. Like there are no touch throws. <laughs>
4: it is all lasers, lasers, lasers. And
2: it works. He's doing a terrific job at it. It just it's like he he can make every throw. It's just sometimes he makes a wild decision. But other than that, the kids just got an absolutely rocket arm. They
3: did such a good job as far as scheming guys open to, like, like there, there was, there was never a point really where it looked like Oregon's defense was comfortable, you know? And if if, if your guy can't make touch throws, g- give him something where like, like you're taking advantage of the full field because he does have a rocket. Right. And, and he, he can get there. He could fit the ball in
2: places where it normally doesn't go. Yeah, that, that, he, I thought that was evident. The throw he made on the sideline on the 62 yard touchdown to Davis, where he just, Like the safety, the safety saw it. The safety, Bennett Williams, was going over there to make the play, and he just beat him with the throw. Like there was, he had no prayer of getting there in time. It was incredible.
0: So before we get to uh, modern gun season in Fayetteville, let's get to the second leg of the SEC West getting settled here on Saturday in Week Eleven. Do you feel any better about this Alabama Crimson Tide team? Based on the response from the Crimson Tide, falling behind early against Ole Miss and battling back, and being able to get the stops they needed, being able to get a win in Oxford and come out of a, a close competitive game with the victory against the Rebs.
3: Not at all. I feel worse about Alabama after today. I mean, like at oh, oh, Ole Miss lo- loses one of their top receivers early in the ball game. Alabama gets out gained by 100 yards. Saban's having meltdowns on the, or on the sideline and having to, like, you know, get in there and, and talk to his guys, a whole bunch. They don't look organized. I mean, this collection of talent should have been a team that you had ready to go and, and play, you know, for the Natty, and they don't they don't look well coached. Um, Tom, I know you have a point on this. I need to look, look something up. So, I'm, I'm going to do that a uh, lot on air. Uh, 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 I
0: hey. mean, listen, we... we- We got to just, we got to go to it. Oh, we got it? We got to do it. Let's do it.
1: Oh, man. Anyway, this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. You put
4: on a tux. What's up, boys? Man. What's up?
0: Barton Simmons, the general manager of Vanderbilt football, (laughs) fresh off, taking down Kentucky in Lexington, notching that SEC victory joining the cover 3 podcast week 11 instant reaction show barton my friend
4: congratulations you look
0: fantastic is it, that is a tuxedo right
4: I, I am I am tuxed out right now. Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is just what we do. This is Vanderbilt life. You know, it's just like a Saturday night at Vanderbilt. <laughs> um, it's good to see you, boys.
0: Yeah, good, good to, to see, see you too. So, where were you? Uh, were you were you press box? Or were you sideline?
4: I was sideline. Sideline. Side, always sideline. Yeah, yeah. What was the vibe? It was, it was um, it was cold, rainy. Damp, but uh, man, it was uh, it was it was it was a nice day in Lexington. Um, you know, I'm actually so here's the story. So I'm actually I left the game. Actually, left the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, I am currently. That's why I'm in my tuxedo here. This is not – I'm in my tuxedo because w- one year ago today. My mother passed away. Oh. She's being honored tonight at the uh, National Public Library Foundation, Gala, her and my dad. And so I was coming back here to try to get to this. She went to Kentucky, by the way. So I'm literally I'm 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 in the car, driving back. There's like five minutes left in the game. I'm listening to her on the radio, you know, and like, you know, the, That's the, emotional. It, it was a crazy, you know, it was yeah. crazy end of the game. I call my dad after the game to let him know, you know what, I'm going to make it. I'll be okay. We're on our, you know, on the way. And like he and I literally like we're on the phone together, like crying together about like, you know what? She's probably up there somewhere. Like she went to Kentucky and this a year ago today. And there's something mystical about this. And, uh, it was kind of a cool moment. This this was this is a day this is a day that, that the old the old Barton will remember,
0: dude. Uh, and like um, an, an icon of, of education, right? <laughs>
4: she, she, she she made yeah yeah she made she made it count yeah
0: yeah she she made it count hundred percent and uh, for all that stuff to line up together, man. That's
4: that's awesome. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah.
0: Have you got a chance yeah. to talk to Clark since the game ended?
4: Yeah, ju- just uh, we've been on a, we've we've been on a couple of shared text chains. You know, uh, it's the 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 Vandy lines are popping right now. You know, <laughs> there's some there's some enthusiasm out there, which is exciting. You know, so it was it was a good it was a good a good ride home. Hard to, it was hard to stay off the phone there for the for the ride home to Lexington uh, from Lexington, but uh, made it home safe. So, uh, dude, this wasn't, this wasn't fluky. No, no. I mean,
3: Vanderbilt outgained Kentucky by 140 yards. And like, if you told me Vanderbilt was going to get his first SEC win by the Barton Simmons era by (laughs) outgaining Kentucky by about a buck 50 and losing the turnover battle and do it on the
4: road. That was kind of like a, this could have been bigger. See, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys, is if you really go back and look in Missouri and you go back and look at South Carolina uh, and look, we, we lost those games and I'm not going to, this isn't like some sort of like revisionist, but we lost those games. But the reality is like, you know, we had a chance to beat Missouri. Like we were driving to win and, and had a fourth down stop and, and South Carolina, we, we really moved the ball really effectively with those, against those guys. And, and there was a couple of, a couple of turnovers and just, you know, some tackling issues on the perimeter and, and so I think, like, for us, p- part of the thing that was so exciting and gratifying about this win is, like, we, we, were, we, felt, we felt like we were so close. You know, we've been so close. And, and we've, we've – like, if you're in the building every day, like, you see this team getting better. Like, you see the belief, uh, you know, taking hold every day. And so, like, we've known how close we are. And, and just to finally get a win to where, like, the outside world can kind of see how close we are um, – is 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 gratifying and and validating and and um so we got to build on this you know i'm still the the 24-hour rule is is not over yet i'm I'm still celebrating there's some oat milk at home with with my name on it (laughs) Uh, um but uh but but you know it it is certainly you know we're gonna enjoy it right now and and it is nice to kind of have um you know the people that that are in the building every day um get to get to see a little bit about what what's what's bubbling up
2: you know you have a better record than Jimbo it might be time to go you know seeking a raise there it's (laughs) comparing salaries (laughs) did they lose today (laughs) yes they did
4: hey man you know that is three
0: and seven Texas A&M Aggies and the four and six Vanderbilt Commodores heading into the penultimate week of the regular season of 2022
4: listen all I know is if you took the under on the doors sorry for you buddy yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry for you <laughs> hey
0: listen you you promised the over by october that Got was it. already cashed you also promised that you would show up on the cover 3 podcast after the first sec win and you've delivered on that one in 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 like Truly remarkable, otherworldly, mystical circumstances. And so uh it's it's awesome to be able to share at least a piece of this day with you for sure. Yeah.
4: I, I had every intention of of uh pulling up to this thing with an oat milk in hand. <laughs> uh but I, I saw the way this night, this night and this event was running a little long and uh I knew I had to I had to get, get at least show face here. So uh as always, boys. I appreciate uh, all the support. We got more wins coming for Vanderbilt. Um, and uh, so hopefully it won't be too long where, you know, uh, it's, it's, I'm not going to pop on for every win because there's too many of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Let's <laughs> go. Hey, <laughs> hey, take down Vanderbilt, take down Tennessee, and the bowl eligible.
4: Yeah. Hey, let's go. Let's hey, go. Hey, yeah. One, hey, one game at a time. One,
1: hey, we're one of them this week.
4: Hey, we got we got the gators coming to town and uh we'll see what happens there. It's it's gonna be fun. But yeah, we're excited and uh who's winning locks right now? Uh Bud. Uh, oh uh-oh. Bud. Um, yeah, but- how, how how's the race? Is it close or is it is it is Bud uh, running away?
2: It? I don't know. Tom, do you have it up? Uh, he's about fifty units ahead of Danny at this point. After yeah, we
0: it Danny today, <laughs> Danny's a uh, fallen behind. Yeah, we, yeah, we, you're
4: up. You're up five and a half on chip. Okay. Well, that's that. Uh, that then the world is 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 in its proper place. If if Danny's pulling up the rear, and <laughs> <laughs> Big Bet Bud is is up front. Then I think all's all's good in the world.
0: I just admitted to these guys and our entire audience that I haven't looked at power ratings in three weeks. I'm just going on vibes <laughs> at this point in the season.
4: Listen, man, that that's that's what makes this podcast special, Chip. I, I I I maintain that as long as you give me like the the you know uh, wouldn't it be funny rule like that's 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 what I want to hear, man. So uh, keep it rocking, boys. It's great to see you guys. I need to get back on again. This has been too long. So we'll set it uh, up. Love you, dude. Thank you Congratulations. For Love you, bro. Yeah. All right. See you. See you.
0: <laughs> that was absolutely fantastic. That's all, wow. all I wanted. Um, all right. You know what? Like, forget LSU, Arkansas. We'll tackle that on the other side. <laughs> coming up on the other side, we will go and break down our predictions for the projected top 25 and go conference by conference with more of our notes
1: from week 11. Next. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive. That's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, we know that there will
0: be some shakeups within the top 25, as again, Oregon took a loss to Washington. Uh, Also, we saw Ole Miss lose to Alabama, but you know, on, four ranked, on-ranked games are going to produce a couple losers. Honestly, I'm looking at it and I'm seeing that number 17, NC State's probably going to fall out. Number 19, Liberty is going to fall out. Number 21, Illinois. I'm so sorry, Tom. I do think that the Fighting Lion I are probably destined to fall out after losing per, to Purdue. The big questions for me are, number one, do you think that Texas, four losses, is going to remain in? And then I think the other piece of this is all right, well then, who are you putting in there? Because you can make an argument for, like, I, like for example, right now, blood, you'll be so happy to hear, I've got Troy and number twenty-five in my projections. I think that Troy, with seven wins in a row, eight and two after a win against Army, um, is going to be one of those teams that people just gravitate towards. They are going to be helped by the fact that Baylor, a team that was on a lot of top 25 ballots, lost. That Wake Forest, a team that was on a lot of top 25 ballots, lost. Um, There are other situations as well right near the fringes where it's just going to be a little bit of a grab bag in terms of trying to figure out who is going to be right there on the edge of the rankings. Kentucky, another team that was not in the top 25 of the AP poll. It was in the top 25 of the selection committee ranking. But as we just discussed with Barton Simmons, also lost. So who's gonna be in the fringes of the rankings? You you really
3: forgot one here, Chip. The the oh, question God, he, is, are we real are we what? really gonna drop Kentucky out after another quality SEC loss? <laughs> well uh,
0: yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I've been waiting all day to use that one. Um I think Cincinnati's getting back in. Yep. They got a pretty big win on Friday night. Uh coastal could sneak back in this could be like a big week for the g5 it'll be interesting to see what they do because i man if texas is still ranked at six and four
0: so you know what's funny about this is i was running the chip and uh the win against utsa and the win against kansas state might be things that keep texas hanging around oklahoma state lost
2: that Oklahoma, oh, Oklahoma State won.
0: Oklahoma State won. Oklahoma State might State get, get in. Yeah, 7, and, get three, seven in. and 3 Oklahoma State might get in.
2: No, they'll be back in for sure. They were they were in last week, they got dropped out. Those people will put them right back on the ballot.
0: Florida I've got Florida State moving up. I've got Tulane falling only just a couple spots. UCF makes a pretty notable noticeable jump up. Washington's going to be one of the biggest movers as you might expect. They were a two-loss team with no quality wins. Hello quality win here in the form of Oregon. They come and join that sort of Penn State Utah Ole Miss Land. Whether North Carolina will get moved up after its win against Wake Forest is a little bit of a question. I like, are they going to get moved ahead of Clemson? I doubt that from the AP voters, but it could happen.
3: I would say unlikely because Clemson well, looked decent today. Yeah, I mean, Clemson had what a a multi-score, pretty comfortable win over. They've got like a
0: ceiling, like you. Like we're we're still operating in in the closed space where Clemson looked good, but there's only but so high that Clemson could potentially go, even with the shakeup ahead of them. Like North Carolina is is running against that same ceiling, where no one's gonna put a Clemson or a North Carolina ahead of that run of like a USC, a UCLA, or heck even Oregon. Potentially, after Oregon just took its second
2: loss, how high does Alabama jump back up?
0: I've got them sitting at the same spot in the AP poll at number 10.
2: Skellis, Ole Miss, they're going to stay there.
0: I mean, they only had what 300
2: yards today? Do, do you, that doesn't matter. They're Alabama and they beat a number 11 team.
3: <laughs> All right. Trivia wise, can you name me the teams that did not have uh, at least like 325 yards against Ole Miss's defense this year? Um,
0: Georgia Tech.
3: That's one. There was a second. <laughs> There's a second. It's, uh, a, it's an FCS
2: team. Oh,
0: Central
3: sorry. Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. Troy had more yards than Alabama did. Tulsa, Kentucky, Vandy. Uh, of course, Vandy did. Auburn, LSU. Hell, a And M did. <laughs> I, before, before we had Barton on. Chip had asked me like, "Hey, are are you are you any more impressed with Alabama?" No, like. To me, that was more like Ole Miss was every bit as flawed as we thought they might be.
0: Within the context of the competition, I thought that Alabama's defense had a very strong finish to the game. That if we look at the final four Ole Miss possessions, the fact that they ended in two turnovers on downs and two field goal attempts means that Alabama's defense showed up. And not that Alabama's defense statistically has ever been poor or a liability. But I, I thought that playing on the road, given the way that that game had started, you know, 17-14 at halftime, kind of felt like Ole Miss was getting everything it wanted. I mean, Quinchon Judkins was cooking. I, I kind of thought that letting the defense go and win it was a kind of old-school, Saban-esque way to win, especially on the road. I thought the defense played well, and that's probably what is my, my strongest positive for Alabama coming out of this. I'm not coming out of the win just being like, oh, I feel so much worse about them. My concerns are still my concerns, but if there's any positives, I, I do think it comes on the defensive side of the ball.
2: Also, I mean, Jameer Gibbs did get hurt in this game.
0: Are we sure are we about that? Yeah, I don't know. I thought they were maybe riding some hot hand. Yeah, really? I wasn't sure.
3: Yeah. I mean, like, uh, they, so Jenny Dell, I think, I had sideline, and the Alabama staff told her that uh, he was not injured. He's eligible to come back into the game. And uh, Jace McClellan ran his butt off. Like, that right. guy was running hard. He, he ran well. But the interesting thing is, when McClellan got dinged real quick, they did not put Gibbs back in the game. They put, yeah, they went uh, to Williams. Yeah. Williams. Yeah. That's
2: why I thought Gibbs was hurt.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, Bud's right. The, the, wow. The, yeah, the report said that he was available to come back, and it was just, I don't know.
2: I feel like, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to know what happened there.
0: I i did not think that while Bryce Young had three touchdowns, he was the best player or most important, or excuse me, he is always the best player. Not always, but I, I did not think he was individually the most important player. I thought that there were a lot more contributors to Alabama's victory beyond Bryce Young. What are you laughing about?
2: <laughs> nothing something bud posted in the private chat um uh yeah no i thought i mean what, what did we talk about on the pregame show we had oh by the way shout out matt corral thank you for joining us earlier today if you guys missed from it, lane it kiffin's office from lane kiffin's office um we talked about it on the show like old Miss's defense if they were going to beat alabama they had to heat up young and they had to keep him in the pocket when they heated him up and kept him in the pocket, they got him down. When they let him escape the pocket, he was making stuff happen. And it's just, it is so inconsistent this Alabama offense every single week. It is the same dang thing every single time. If Bryce Young's not doing something spectacular, they're really not doing anything.
0: Three point five million viewers, by the way, on that uh, on that pregame show. At this point, you can still go watch it. It's on the Cover Three uh, Twitter page. Uh, it's on the Cover Three YouTube page. Uh, the the live Twitter views are pretty strong right now. People liked it. Matt Corral was awesome. He came in. He got us all hot and bothered. He was talking about Alabama's defense and what it does. was shows the cover four. Then you set the man in motion. It rolls into a cover three. And it was <laughs> like, we were like, ooh, ooh. getting It feels listening to Matt Corral break down uh, Nick Saban's Alabama defense. So uh, go and check it out again. Uh, the full replay is on our Twitter page right now. Cover three podcast. It was uh, about 30 minutes. Matt Crow hung out for about 15, 20 minutes with us. We got a chance to preview the game. It was a lot of fun. He talked about the quarterback room with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he talked about um, sort of his experience at Ole Miss, why Ole Miss is so attractive in the modern era. It was awesome. So thank you for, if you watch live as well, but want to make sure we turn your attention to that because it's the one fans deserve. Okay, let's go – let's stay in the SEC then. Uh, other results in the SEC include one that we mentioned with Barton Simmons earlier, uh, the fact that Auburn did win against Texas A&M. Texas A&M now sitting at one and – wait, yeah, one and six. No, 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 at three and seven, one and six in the SEC, Texas A&M is not bowl eligible. You signed the, the – Highest-rated recruiting class in the history of the recruiting industry, and then you're not bowl eligible the following year.
2: Shout out to Cadillac Williams for getting a win. Yeah, that's my takeaway from this game. I, I'm done talking about A and M. They stink. I, mean, well, I why, yeah,
3: I did promise on Twitter that I would talk for one minute per score a And M had. So now I have a couple <laughs> things to say here, and this was when a And M didn't have any points, so I I, I thought it'd be a pretty <laughs> safe bet. But luckily, they only scored twice. So my first thought here is that a And M needs to change the way it does recruiting over the summer. Jimbo said that they don't like none of those kids came to a And M for, for NIL. I think they should start using NIL to induce kid. Like they need to have better players come to Texas a And M. And they probably need to use NIL uh, to get like to induce players to come both in the transfer portal and on the recruiting circuit, right? Like you clearly got to get better talent. Last year they should have got this kid named Harold Perkins, by the way, who was really good today. Again, they almost got him. Just gotta, gotta, gotta open up that wall a little bit. See, if, see, if, you know, see if you can spend some money, on him, um, and you can get a better quality of player in there. I don't know, man. Like I, I, I really wonder about Chip's whole. Theory here on the, the the flu being the portal flu and how many people from that roster flee. I, I think uh, I think quite a few. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if we had, two.
2: yeah, if we had, oh wow, if we hadn't seen it already, now that they're not, there's no chance of getting to get into a bowl game. Like there's going to be a whole lot of nagging injuries in the next couple of weeks. They
0: finish the regular season at home against LSU. I will was- say. LSU might be playing with fire because you mentioned Harold Perkins. He was the superstar before I get to the, the ways that we can pick apart this LSU win with some concerns, despite having already locked up the sec West Perkins is a worth. Every penny was actually a quote that Bud Elliott said about Perkins on this very podcast. I think a week ago, mm-hmm. um, he put on the hat for Texas A&M. He was committed to Texas A&M. Oh no. Now I'm committed to LSU and when Brian Kelly was asked by ESPN on the field after the game, uh, Harold Perkins four sacks in the game ties a program record. You know he comes up with the game winning stop, two forced fumbles. What what did you what was going through your mind on the sideline, Coach? He said, "Well, I, I, I'm glad he's playing for us, <laughs> which means, damn, I'm glad we could secure that." So Harold Perkins, when he did commit to LSU, was the highest rated prospect uh, in the 2022 recruiting class. And frankly, at this point late in the season, he is right up there with the best player on the field, either side for LSU.
2: Yeah. Now, can he play quarterback? Because LSU's offense stunk today. Like this is a game against Arkansas that was missing KJ Jefferson and they barely held on to win 13 to 10 and they needed every single thing that perkins gave them to have a chance i mean Jaden daniels a week after playing very well against alabama was 8 of 15 for 86 yards with an interception he only rushed for 10 yards and
0: a lost fumble don't forget yeah. that there's an interception and a lost fumble in the mm-hmm. first quarter
2: yeah like it was i i like we talked about the very how they were totally ripe for an upset in this one because of just the emotion of last week and then getting arkansas coming off a loss to liberty but like once kj jefferson was out this game should not have been close. So, like, yes, LSU won the game. They clinched the division today. But if you're an LSU fan, how how confident are you about anything at this point? I mean, I'm confident that I'm
3: going to Atlanta. Yes. And I'm confident that I'm really happy about that in, in year one. And if Georgia beats me by 50, I really don't care. Right? I mean, like, <laughs> I, it, it'll stink in the moment. But i would be like, wow, Brian Kelly got out of Notre Dame, got to a place where you can get super elite talent as opposed to just elite talent. And he got us to Atlanta in year one with good coaching, because this, this roster was was a good roster, and we're happy to see it. and And I'm happy we didn't lose a game that was cl- like a clear hangover spot where Arkansas played hard. Uh, I think I thought LSU played with poor focus and still won, which I think speaks to their talent level on, on the day. Uh, Daniels looked confused. I think the receivers were confused as far as working in, in concert with him. Arkansas clearly was daring LSU to run, uh, and at times they would, and it worked occasionally, and, and occasionally it did not. But uh, the one constant here was LSU's defense. And, yes, like Jefferson being out, I think, was probably better for LSU than him playing probably, but I don't know the drop-off between Jefferson and Horsby slash Fortin from what we saw the last two weeks out of Jefferson is really that big of a deal. Right.
0: I, he was with,
3: terrible last week.
0: No, because with Hornsby, it was. Because in, when Hornsby was in there, uh, no joke, in the field position battle, Arkansas got more yards from sacks than it did mm-hmm. from passing.
3: That's fair. They had That's 30
0: fair. yards this way from sacks and the yards lost from them getting after Jane Daniels. They had 15 yards this way from throwing the ball through the air after 30 minutes of the game. So, like, in the land grab that is the game of football – they were doing better on defense than they were on offense if they were in a passing situation with Hornsby in the game. Fortin did How come many? in and cook for a little bit near the very end, but Jefferson at least provides more in terms of activating the passing the game than what they got out of Hornsby.
2: Over under half. How many national titles is Brian Kelly winning at LSU?
3: Under.
0: Yeah, whatever. Over. <laughs> you, said, you, said, you said it at half. Sure.
2: I'm going to go. I'll go under just because I feel like once it expands, it's just going to become that much more difficult.
0: So, shut up. No, we're not going there. Um. So, Brian Kelly, no,
2: it's
0: it fair, fair, but I'm just. It got, got, to, got to nip this in the bud. We got to stay focused. We got a lot to get to. We're 48 minutes into the podcast, and we're only one conference into our conference by conference. So Brian Kelly said after the game something that was very interesting along the lines. It it harkened back to Scott Frost, uh, like, well, in this really tough league, we got a game plan better in this tough league. Brian Kelly said, you know, in this league you, – you, he said, hats off to Sam Pittman. We need to know uh, how, how to get to what we got to do in this league. Uh, Arkansas played tough. It's difficult to get anything going. Hats off to their coach. Sam had his team ready to play. We found a way to win on the road. Hopefully, we learn how to prepare offensively to win in this league. Here's what I took from that. Because he's clearly talking about himself, offensive, you know, leaning coach. Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator, Jane Daniels, the quarterback, the offense as a whole, he felt like Arkansas had their number. He felt like they did not have a preparation advantage in that game. LSU's offense at the beginning of the season was not LSU's offense during this win streak. Things kind of unlocked with the passing game. Jane Daniels against Florida State's just scrambling for his life. That's the best thing they can do. The run game has gotten better. Josh Williams has emerged a little bit. I think the tape is out on LSU, and now the challenge is on this coaching staff to adjust. If they don't adjust, they're going to get absolutely smoked by uh, Georgia, and they might even be not on upset alert, but it could get hairy again against either UAB or Texas A&M. Does LSU have another wrinkle? Does LSU have a curveball? Can they mix it up just a little bit? I felt like I heard Brian Kelly admit in a thing in a way that I respect that it's like okay, we they they got us like they've they figured us out a little bit. Now now we need to go back to the drawing board and we need to figure some new things out.
2: I'm just going to assume LSU wins both of those games. What's the closer deficit? The UAB game or Texas A&M? Who hangs? UAB. They're both in Death Valley.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. No no no. A and M's on the road. Mm. UAB's closer. Circle the Dragons Saturday was an unbelievable success. Your back is against the wall. You're trying to reach bowl eligibility. You're a good mm-hmm. team with close losses. You got one of the best running backs in the entire country, and you, you and me mm-hmm. answered. North Texas is going to win one division of Conference USA, and they lost by 20 in Birmingham today to the Blazers. Circle the Dragons Saturday.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's UAB. I think that Texas A&M team LSU faces that week last weekend of the season is just a skeleton roster at that point. A lot of flu. A lot of flu. <laughs> a
0: lot of flu. Uh, elsewhere, uh, so we opened the show with that. Uh, yeah, I, I I get to eat my uh, my Tennessee under officially now that Tennessee is 9-1 overall. 66-24 uh, winners against Missouri. One leg... Of the Tom and Chip CBS Sports HQ, never a doubt, 100% always going to win if they agree on all three picks across a segment, parlay them and be a millionaire picks as we both took the over in the 11 a.m. pregame show. Uh, Georgia, 45-19 to 19, winners against Mississippi State. Also, uh, Florida, 38-6 to 6 against South Carolina. Didn't watch a second of it. Uh, and Auburn 13-10 to 10 against Texas A&M. What stands out from the SEC?
2: Tennessee, I guess, didn't like Eli Drinkwitz's comments about the state too much. According to Jordan, they ran it up on him there.
0: Oh, I kind of felt like it was a give-and-go game. Like Tennessee did the same thing. It Tennessee treated Missouri the way it treated UT Martin. I like, do this... Oh, oh! you want to play? Okay, now I'm going to do a little bit more. Oh, you're going to yeah. keep coming? Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit more. Like, it was it was a, a give-and-take relationship. But Tennessee, Tennessee really
3: should have had this thing done-done. But before the half, Tennessee had two guys wide open who dropped passes, and they would have been up 21 points at the half. Instead, they screwed around, dropped the ball. Missouri's quarterback, who's not a very good thrower, but he, he scrambled around a little bit, he got him down in the field goal range, so, so they're only up 11 at the half. And I think Tennessee was like, look, guys, we're going to score in the 50s or 60s today anyway. So whether we do it now or do it late, like we're, we're still going to get our numbers.
2: It's 724 yards.
0: <laughs> Out points, baby. That's how we make the college football playoff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. In the ace. No, nah, you want to go Big Ten or ACC, Tom?
2: You're the host. You pick.
0: Well, I mean, you're you're dealing with one of like the key Conversation points. The question is whether you want to delay it or just go ahead and dive in. Dive right in. I don't care. All right. So the same officiating crew that hosed Illinois against Indiana was also there to hose Illinois against <laughs> Purdue. As Purdue wins 31 to 24 against the fighting Illini, I, I have not yet uh, been able to calculate what the Big Ten West scenarios are heading into the final two weeks, but this is certainly a result that changes the look for whoever the Ohio State-Michigan winner is going to play. Iowa and Wisconsin played uh, a game where the Hawkeyes were good.
2: Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, the Hawkeyes are competent right now. They yeah, are they're playing saying, but- Iowa football.
0: They're playing competent Iowa football. Minnesota 31 to 3 against Northwestern, Michigan State 27-21 against Rutgers. Rutgers th- through the back door. I don't know anybody personally who had that, but uh, I saw somebody mention that uh, on the internet. Penn State 30 to nothing against Maryland. Another result that I was very happy to put to bed when Penn State had a 27 to nothing lead at halftime and like uh, but you've mentioned the like moving, graduating games up and down. Like, oh, this is going to go to the iPad, or this is going to go to the main screen. It's like the three thirty slate. I had a uh, ten or eleven games. I was trying to track all at once. I mean, it was just too much going on. And I just, I was happy to kick that one to the to the streets. Uh, Michigan thirty four to three against Nebraska, and Ohio State loses. Mayan Williams could be significant as Travion Henderson also did not play uh, in this game, but wins fifty six to fourteen what are the big headlines from the big
2: 10? Our lock unity on Michigan's over one for the season total. They're over nine and a half at 10 and O. Uh, it's funny. I think if you look at the conference in the East, we talk about we've all, you know, Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, Ohio state won by like how much it was. they. they Ohio state won by 42. Yeah. Ohio state won by 42. Michigan won by 31. Penn state won by 30. They, so those three teams are clearly the best team in the conference. Um, You talked about the officiating in Champaign. I want to be clear. Purdue was the better team in the game. The officiating did the Illini no favors, but Purdue did something that really nobody else has done against Illinois this year. They took away their run game. They did a terrific job. They, their defensive line beat Illinois' offensive line. Chase Brown got 98 yards, but a lot of that came in the fourth quarter when Purdue was just kind of dropping into shell coverage because they were just trying to keep Illinois from being able to throw the ball. And on the other side, Purdue kept Aiden O'Connell clean in the pocket, and the entire key of Illinois' defense is if they can get pressure on your QB – Their secondary can play man and take chances, and you can't move the ball on them. If they can't get to the QB, they can't cover them forever. Nobody can. And I think Aiden O'Connell, he made some throws that still kind of concern me because he was throwing into coverage a little too often, but when he had time, Payne-Durham, the tight end, that's the one thing that's been getting Illinois too lately. Tight ends, if you have one, you can find room up the seams with them against this defense. Purdue was the better team. That said, that officiating crew, It's been two Illinois games. It hasn't just been Illinois games. They made some freaking horrible calls against Purdue in this game as well. It is a horrible crew. I'm not going to say their names. I will just say that if you ask any fan base in the Big Ten, when they see that crew working their game that weekend, they know they are going to be in for some galaxy brain penalty calls. And I do not know how a billion-dollar operation, such as the Big Ten Conference, can Continue going forward, letting crews like that who are routinely making bad decisions week to week work your games.
3: Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree with Tom on this, on, on the officiating. Like, and he's right. Purdue was the better team. I, I didn't have any regular Purdue. I had some Purdue minus seven and a half. Purdue like minus three and a half, just alternate line stuff. Just on the idea that I think Illinois' defense is really good, but also who was the best quarterback they've played before this game? Like Aiden O'Connell wasn't amazing, and I think he's by far the best QB somehow that Illinois has faced through ten games. Like maybe there's a chance like like that Jeff Brom can exploit how much man Illinois wants to play, but he Tom is right. Like some of these PI calls were pretty sketchy, and they just it was not a smoothly officiated
2: game. Right, And I, I agree with him on that for sure. <laughs> the one call to me that was just – it's funny because it was inconsequential. It had no impact on the outcome of the game. But like there was, one, there was a Purdue player that was tackled in the backfield for like a loss of three yards. He got tackled at the 12. The line of scrimmage was a 15. They spotted the ball at the 14. You see the replay. The kid never got past the 12. There was no forward progress. They missed a the spot by two yards. And that, to me, sums up that crew. And again, not just today, every single week. That crew works a game. That sums them up because that's what they do routinely. They are not good. Uh, Michigan
3: kind of played with its food and still covered because Nebraska was just so bad on offense that uh, Purdy – like so Thompson didn't play, Mm -hmm. right? And then Purdy gets hurt, and Nebraska just couldn't do anything. But it's kind of another game where it's like uh, McCarthy – is this passing game gonna click? I don't know. It's okay. Um, Michigan State giving up a fourth and thirty something <laughs> to backdoor was kind of nuts, but I don't I don't know. Like they they also allowed some Rutgers drives early in the game, so I, I don't feel like it was I mean, it was a bad backdoor on an individual play as Chip referenced, but at the same time,
2: I mean, it wasn't like Michigan State dominated dominated the game. I will say another game too, Ohio State playing in some crappy weather played well the weather has been their kryptonite we saw against michigan last year we saw last week against northwestern today in like some rainy windy sleet and snow 662 yards cj stroud 297 yards passing five touchdowns Mayan williams ran for 147 the freshman Dallin hayden ran for 102 marvin harrison jr seven catches 135 yards I think that was like, I think that was a very cathartic performance for the Buckeyes and their fans. I mean, again, I know it was Indiana, but I just felt like they really needed to see something like that. Could you say it was Heisman worthy? I think it could be. Mm Mm-hmm. All you need. Ah, well, you know,
0: there's a, there's another quarterback in the Heisman trophy conversation that did lead a game winning drive in Winston Salem with the game on the line. Still in the mix. Um, so on Michigan, to your point, Bud, my my thought on JJ McCarthy is that two things happen that can be very very frustrating. Which for a Michigan fan, which is number one, it seems like his freestyling rarely ends up as awesome as like the one highlight that they play all the time. You know, it's mm-hmm. a lot of throwing the ball out or a lot of getting dragged down. And number two. It seems like there were a couple of Michigan defensive linemen who left that game a little bit hobbled that we should track moving forward, and that would be particularly significant as we continue to look ahead to the end of the regular season. I don't, I don't know that that would be the difference maker against Illinois, but not having key defensive linemen against Chase Brown sounds bad.
2: Well, Chase so. Brown got hurt at the end of the game today too. Illinois might not have Chase Brown anymore.
3: Yeah,
0: what do
3: you, I guess we we can. That's probably more of a UFR thing, unless you already know. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have this is from a buddy uh, I do have a DM chat with. I don't know if he wants his name out there. Uh, Odds for the Big Ten West, but according to his updated simulation. So Purdue 44%, Iowa 30%, Illinois 16%, Minnesota 10%, Wisconsin (laughs) 0.21%. So I don't really know how that works.
0: Still
2: alive.
3: Yeah, I, that I,
0: legitimately sounds like it might be down to the sixth tiebreaker, which happens to be an eating contest. Right. A yeah. lot of people don't know that when you get down to the sixth tiebreaker in the Big Ten bylaws, you have to sit all of your offensive linemen down, and mm-hmm. you have to do the same contest that you do at the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, mm-hmm. when your offensive linemen sit across from each other and see who can eat the most wings.
2: Yeah. So you you don't think
3: Burt's winning that in a tiebreaker <laughs> contest?
2: <laughs> I don't th- see. That's the thing. Illinois has got to beat Michigan to get to the contest. And I don't think that's going to happen.
0: <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance coming up on the other side. We turn our attention to the ACC and the big 12, the pac 12 and the best of the rest, including UCF's win over Tulane and
1: more next. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. In the ACC,
0: Clemson had a little bit of a get right spot 31 to 16 against Louisville, but it was also thanks to Malik Cunningham getting roughed up right at the end of the first half. No bueno for the cards who are six and four, yes, uh, but if you lose your star quarterback, never really great. Duke got, had a rocky and sloppy start against Virginia Tech, but ends up winning 24 to seven. Virginia's Quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, averaged 400 yards per game and was one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the country in 2021. And on November 12, 2022, he opened the game with two pick sixes. Pitt led 14-0 with zero offensive plays. Miami won 35-14. Boston College, oh, booty cheeks beat NC State. (laughs) Awful. There are so many sad wolves around Raleigh right now. I cannot believe that game played out the way it did. I didn't get a chance to see much of Florida state Syracuse, much like the Penn state Maryland game. I saw the way it was going. I was happy to relegate it to another spot. I, I need to catch up with it on Sunday or Monday. And then, as I mentioned earlier, North Carolina, 36 wake forest, 34, the Tar Heels clinched the ACC coastal division, uh, with a victory against the demon Deacons. What stands out from the ACC?
3: The quality defensive performance in the second half, North Carolina. I mean, we we, we rip them all the time. I, I'm not really sure they're a good defense still. There may be something wrong with Wake's offense right now with Sam Hartman. Like I kind of wonder if he's there next year, right, or or if he's going to transfer somewhere. But man, Carolina uh, defensively in the second half. Did, did Wake score in the fourth quarter? No. I mean,
2: nope. Nobody scored in the fourth quarter. It's lead three, or there was a field goal. That was it.
3: That was that was pretty impressive. Drake May is that dude, as Chip said. Like, I think he's the best player in the country. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman, but I do think he's the best player in the country right now. I mean, just he ran for what sixty something. He threw for four hundred something. He had a did a rushing touchdown? I know he had four four passing touchdowns.
0: Yeah, he had a rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. It was three I mean, that, passing, one rushing.
3: That was just that was nuts, and he's just really, really, really special. Uh, so congrats north carolina man they uh they got it done
0: red zone uh conversions weren't great for the tar heels here
3: no no
0: north carolina outplayed wake forest should have won this game by more
3: agreed totally
0: uh and your uh point about north Carolina's second half defense that's become a trend i actually circled this game and i said yeah we'll see you know Congrats that your second half defense numbers are looking really good. When you've been going up against Virginia, when you've been going up against uh, Pitt, when you've been going up against like Miami, Duke. I mean, again, like you did good after halftime. That's fine. What what are you going to do against Sam Hartman? I think that this is at least somewhat of validation that this group, despite losing multiple key contributors, starters, and rotation players. Whether it's coaching, whether it's the players themselves, they do seem to settle in after Rocky starts and do a much better job after halftime, uh, at least have so far an ACC play. Anything else from the Atlantic Coast Conference?
2: Uh, Florida State's an absolute wagon right now. They've yeah. been just killing people the last couple of weeks. And my other, the biggest takeaway I have from the ACC this weekend, I don't like when Clemson wears purple. It just put- doesn't look right. That's fine.
0: They love it.
2: I know like, they love it, but I don't like it.
3: Is is Zay Flowers the second best receiver in the country?
0: No. He's first. Marvin Mar- Marvin Harrison,
3: Harrison Jr. Is, yeah. is like I think I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in the country regardless of position.
2: Could be. Um I mean, I think he's in the conversation. Seven for a buck
3: thirty two touchdowns. Even though everybody knows the ball is going to him again, I mean, BC's receivers are balling out right now. Like that, I know they got bailed out a couple of times against Duke, but they still made some really nice catches in that game as well. Uh, Boston College had negative rushing yards tonight and won the game,
0: mm-hmm. which is well. The problem is, is he gave Dave Doran and Tim <laughs> Beck a double digit lead, and they were like, "Cool." We'll sim to end. Mm -hmm. And you can't sim to end when Zay Flowers is on the other side.
3: Jordan, uh, producer Jordan, points out that I literally just said two minutes ago that Drake May is the best player in the country. I really meant like Drake May is the best player in the country who could win the Heisman. Like in that conversation,
2: because you're not gonna. Oh give it to no! No, Harris. I want to
0: keep a running list of how many but players should. Bud Elliott has <laughs> as the best player in the country.
2: <laughs> Bud's top ten best players in the country.
0: <laughs> I mean, the good news is by the end of it, I'll have my All America ballot.
2: <laughs> so I'm sorry, FWAA, I'll get it in. I promise. I got mine in. Get on it, Chip. I know. I
0: need to. Um. Yeah. That. Like. NC State fans are in a really bad place right now. No need to to dwell on it. That was a horrendous loss. The defense should not have been put in those positions, and slightly more aggressive approach on offense in the second half might have changed that.
3: Uh, guys who were three-score home favorites today who may be looking to either move up a job or get a raise off a job in the Eastern time zone.
0: Jim Moore Jr.?
3: Mark Stoops and Dave Doran. Oh, not uh, not not good days for those dudes.
0: No, not not good days at all. All right, so what about the rest of the Pac-12? Uh, Washington State got it done on Family Weekend. We already talked about Washington, Oregon. Right now, Utah still in action against Stanford. I've got it at twenty-eight to seven right now. Oregon State thirty-eight to ten winners against Cal. UCLA uh, trailing twenty-one to fourteen against Arizona early and- in the third quarter. And, and
2: just blocked a field goal. Who did? Arizona blocked a field goal.
0: And USC had some good news, bad news, good news. You put 50 on the board. You won big against Colorado. Bad news. You lose star running back Travis Dye to a season-ending injury in the win on Friday night. Uh, what stands out from the Pac-12? Again, a league that is very much still in action right now.
3: It, it did seem like USC was in a bit of a look-ahead spot. And we're not taking Colorado very seriously to start uh, mm-hmm. the ball game. But, like, Colorado's terrible, so eventually they they kind of got right. Um, and USC pushing in that late late score with like no time left uh, with with the backups to, to make sure they got the cover was uh, that's just uh, that's how you keep the boosters donating, man. Got to have mm-hmm. the NIL collective. I don't know if UCLA is in a look ahead spot here, but I'm pretty sure UCLA can lose this game and still win yes. Pac-12 as long as they beat USC uh, next week, right? Yeah, but because the loser of Oregon-Cal or uh, Oregon-Utah next
2: week is out. Yeah, but if as far as right. like playoff hopes are concerned, they cannot afford to lose this game. <laughs> no, uh, correct. Yeah, that's. Uh,
0: but the playoff committee already, you know,
2: hates them. Yeah,
0: hates them. But we-
2: hey, I mean, we—I brought it up, so of course UCLA is going to lose a game. It shouldn't just to make me look like an idiot in the process. Um, I think. I'm trying to figure out what to make of Washington. Obviously, this is a huge win. I'm trying to figure out if suddenly this is a team now that can legitimately win this conference. No. You don't think so?
0: No. I think that in a Pac-12 championship game scenario against the other teams that we have deemed as championship contenders, I would pick the other team besides Washington.
2: But I thought Oregon was the best team in the Pac-12 coming into this weekend, and they just beat it at its place.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go more spot and game rather than and favor the body of work. I would, I would favor the body of work of Utah. I would favor the body of work of uh, UCLA. I would favor the body of work against Oregon in a rematch, and I would favor the body of work against USC, against USC compared to what Washington has done.
3: Oregon does have the worst pass defense out of USC, UCLA, Utah, yeah, and Oregon. Like I mean, o- Oregon is is entering the day, and I'm guessing these numbers are not going to improve. But enter the day, they were <laughs> 107th in passing success rate allowed, 112th in in passing efficiency allowed, right? It, so, I think part of it is Styles make fights, and if Washington's defense could get a stop or two there was this potential outcome which i didn't think was going to happen but like it certainly we discussed it could happen if, if things broke right for them that oregon secondary is that bad and even oregon people thought the sec- their own secondary was was pretty poor so i don't know like would they do this to utah would they do this we already saw them play ucla and ucla just manhandled them. Um, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think anybody is that much better than, than any other team at, 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 among those four or five.
0: Still trying to figure it out, Tom.
2: No, oh, I, yeah. I, I think they're legit. I think they have a shot. I don't think that's that's the fun thing of the Pac-12. I don't think anybody is really that much better than anybody mm-hmm. else. Like, there's like a clear divide in that conference of like the top four or five teams, and then everybody else is kind of really bad.
0: Yeah, and Oregon State's at the top of the bottom tier.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah they're, yeah, they're tier two. Yeah. There's, yeah or- so there's three tiers. Oregon State's a tier all to itself. Maybe Washington State's in there with them.
0: Oregon State's like, I am Brentford. <laughs> <laughs> then you take, head up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. find, find out bees don't sting quite the same. <laughs> all right. Uh, Big 12. they are running. Shocker! We're running long again on an instant reaction show.
2: Oklahoma um, losing to West Virginia. Coca getting the biggest win of his life with the ears.
0: Extend Neil Brown.
2: Yes, that's that's what West Virginia fans definitely want out of today's result.
0: Because now that you're four and six, you still have hope.
2: Can just can we just go over the teams that Oklahoma has lost to this year real quick? I, don't, I mean I all right I'm just going Texas. Kansas State TCU Texas Baylor and West Virginia like not a not any terrible losses per se but you lost by 31 to TCU you lost by 49 to Texas West Virginia I thought was like the worst team in the league this weekend and then they go and beat you just it's been a rough year for that team
0: I'm It doesn't seem – so they've got a messaging uh, issue in a way that's probably positive, right? Because there's people that are drinking the Brent Venables Kool-Aid. And heading into the Baylor game, when you've got a couple wins in a row, the messaging is, you know, he wanted to lean in on the guys that are here and help coach them up and help get them to re-instill what Oklahoma's going to be. We're not competing for championships yet, but we're building culture and when you're like in that Baylor game they win then all those articles pay off but you lose it and then you go to West Virginia and you lose now all of a sudden you're 5 and 5 with Bedlam and Texas Tech left 6 and 6 7 and 5 what is Oklahoma's final record mm,
3: 6 and 6 yeah i think they'll make a bowl
0: Oklahoma State 20 to 14. I think that's a good win for the Cowboys.
2: Yeah. I mean, they didn't have Hell Spencer yeah. Sanders to start. And then Spencer Sanders just like comes in, like, you know, out of nowhere. You just hear like the Steve Stone, the Steve Stone cold Austin glass break. Spencer Sanders is suddenly in the game. And he's leading you on a touchdown drive that ends up being the winning drive.
3: I mean, for him, it, it, if it's just a pain tolerance thing, it's not like he's going to play pro football. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think just watching him play college football. Uh, If if he wants to go out there and play and and he's not going to just do like long-term damage to his body. Awesome, man. Like go, go jump in there. and, And if you can tolerate the pain, do it. Cool. Like that. They had so many other guys out too. Like that was a, I bet you in that locker room, they're extremely happy today. Everybody's happy after a win, but they just, Look at look who actually got snaps for Oklahoma State today. These are not their normal players. Like mm-hmm. they got a lot of lot of dudes out. That's kind of a dead team walking, I thought. And I
2: was wrong about that. Okay, so we know TCU's in the Big Twelve Championship. You're taking Kansas State or the field for who they're facing. All right. So Kansas State does not have a tiebreaker over
3: Texas. They have one over Baylor. Who else is seriously in
2: this? Oklahoma State. They have the tiebreaker there. And they've got their two games left are at West Virginia and Kansas. As someone with a with a TCU ticket, I
3: strongly prefer that they play Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve <laughs> championship game. Like I really, really like that if that's at all possible.
0: Oh, um, you mean the team that ranks outside of the top seventy in offense and defense <laughs> on a yards per play basis? Correct.
3: I, I would I would enjoy playing Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve title game if possible.
2: Um, I think it's going to be Kansas State. I just yeah. don't see them screwing this up. Not with the tiebreakers that they have. Um, I think that's right.
0: UCF picked up a massive, huge win, win. Uh, at Tulane. Uh, Houston <laughs> should not be doing this. Uh, I, I, I don't know how. What, what are Houston uh, Cougars fan bases on the Cover Three listenership? But I'm sorry, like, what do you? Do you need us to like send you some Modelo or something like we're, we've got some Modelo sponsored watch parties or pregame watch hangalongs coming up soon? Like may- maybe we can come up with something just for, for, for you because it should not be this stressful when you're going up as a 20 point favorite against temple and needing these last minute heaves to win I mean, the game.
2: The game, when he touched on, they scored was awesome. Like that would have been like a, just a thriller, but my God, why do you need that against temple?
3: So, I was going to bring this up in UFR on Monday and I forgot to do so. And I looked into this like Thursday afternoon. Houston lost like six defensive starters against SMU. Like half their defense went out and they were playing. Hmm. I mean, literally. That was, explains something. I, yeah. I dug into it. It was like, how and like, like, okay, like clearly SMU has a good offense, but they don't have a 77 point offense typically. Like, how did this happen? And Temple. Actually, can kind of chuck it around a little bit with uh with, with, with Kurt Warner's son, who now I forgot his first name. Is EJ. it Jade Warner? EJ, EJ Warner. There we go. Yeah. Um uh, they're not that bad chucking around. They they have this receiver named Adonicus Sanders, who's kind of decent. And I was like, ah. I mean, do we really think Houston's gonna be motivated after that kind of loss? Are they gonna come out focused to play temple and really play good defense with all these new guys who because they got a lot of dudes who are hurt? Not that coach. They don't look ready for the Big 12, though.
2: No. To me.
0: Mm.
2: I like that. Do you know who does look ready for the Big 12? UCF. Yeah. Jim Mora. Get him a job in a Power 5. I I do think
3: that Plumlee makes a difference. For of course. Oh, for 147 sure.
0: 147 rushing yards.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's a different level athlete. Like He's one of the best athletes on the field, and he plays quarterback.
2: Yeah, like that's um, I was I, taking UCF on the money line. There was just a total roll of the dice because it was like, if Plumley plays, I feel like I've got. It's just I've got this thing. There's so much value on it if that happens, and that's exactly what happened.
0: Still a little bit close down the stretch, but UCF was in control basically mm-hmm. the entire game. Uh, awesome, awesome win for Gus Malzahn and that program and that team as they try to secure a a have they clinched. They haven't clinched a spot yet cuz we still have uh Tulane still in the mix, SMU still in the mix. Obviously Tulane still has to play Cincinnati, Cincinnati still in the mix.
3: No, Chip, I think they have because they have tiebreakers over uh Memphis, Cincinnati and over Tulane now. Yeah,
0: I think technically they have clinched. I yeah, I Well, they're going to be heavy favorites in both of their remaining games. They mm-hmm. have USF saying- and Temple, I think are their final two games.
2: Does ECU have two losses in conference or three? I'm trying to figure out They've like got what three. the situation is. Losing to Cincinnati was ECU's third loss. They're done. Yeah. Okay. So ECU definitely cannot get in. Correct. Mm-hmm. Houston somehow sitting there four and two.
3: I I, I thought they would have clinched. They, they have to be very high, though.
2: You know? Hmm. Um. Notre Dame kept it going today. Close win against Navy, but I don't care. Like same thing with like Troy against Army, just just beat the Service Academy. I don't care if you blow them out. Just winning is the important part.
0: They were up thirty five to thirteen, and they took their foot off the gas, and Navy started trying hard.
2: I mean, it is Veterans Day weekend. They just wanted to do the classy thing. Yeah. Speaking of taking your foot off the gas, I, I remember like I shot
3: that video saying that Shane Beamer was correct to say that we should celebrate the like, like the small wins of, or just celebrate wins and period about making a bowl game. Did South Carolina just watch what he said and just take the rest of the season off? I mean, they had what they have 230 yards. It's inexcusable to have 230 yards against that Florida defense. Like, AM did that in the first half last week against those guys. It, it's,
2: Is Rattler going to transfer again? I don't know, man, but South Carolina just has that in them. Like, that's really who they are. It's like, I don't know. I feel like they could do that trying their damnedest, too. You know what I mean? They're like not competitive.
0: They gave up 400 rushing yards today. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, they exist to crush dreams and to also build up false confidence. And today was one of those build-up false confidence days where South Carolina's role was to make Florida feel good about itself.
3: (laughs) That's fair. Uh,
0: Because how good does a Florida fan feel right now? You got the Rashada flip, and you just, like, worked South Carolina. Lil Etn was running. You know, like, the ground game in general was just on a roll. You're like, okay, so this year wasn't good, but – but look what we got.
2: Speaking of Rashada, a shout out to Miami for picking itself off off the mat and getting that win against Georgia Tech.
3: Oh, Pyron uh, got knocked out of the game for Georgia Tech. They had to go back to Gibson. It was like an immediate live bet, like 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 Gibson cannot play. And uh, it, after that, it just snowballed totally. Uh, I, hope, I hope the uh, Pyron kid's okay. I, I have a quick game for you guys. It'll take about 90 seconds. Which first round quarterback line do you like better here? These are both Mel Kuyper top five quarterbacks for the upcoming draft. Upcoming draft 11 of 23 for 112 yards and two touchdowns, no picks, or 11 of 23 for 109 yards and one pick. Oh, give me the guy without the picks. Yeah. All right. Uh, Then you have chosen Anthony Richardson in the first round. Hey. A lot of what they're doing like now looks kind of like what the Bears are doing with Justin Fields, sort of, right now. So,
2: Whoa, whoa, okay. whoa, 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 whoa.
0: Oh, that's no, just... <laughs> they've changed the offense, all right?
2: Yeah, let's listen, Justin Fields like Lamar Jackson if Lamar Jackson was good. Okay, yeah, let's be fair.
0: The issue with the Bears now is now the defense can't get a stop,
2: right? Yeah. I mean, that's just my, it's my Wait, life in a nutshell. Franchise quarterback, terrible defense just every single year of my life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, anything else from uh from the the best of the rest before we get God, out of here?
2: Again, shout out to Jim Moore getting UConn Bowl eligible. Uh shout out to Coastal. I mean, you lose Grayson McCall, you come out, you still get a win. You're now Six and one in the division. You kind of needed the win because James Madison put it on Old Dominion to get to four and two. So but they're Madison. ineligible for the league. Yeah, ineligible yeah. for the Sun Belt Championship. But so I'm saying, so now they've clinched the division. They're, they get to play for the conference title. And yeah, and t- probably Detroit, against Troy. Yeah, because they've got the tiebreaker on South Alabama, right? Yeah, but yeah. they have, uh,
3: but they, I think they're currently in the tiebreaker, right? Like because. Mm-hmm they lost to app and that was that was south al's
2: only loss so shout out to the ohio bobcats by the way they played during the week obviously because it's maxing time but this that's a team that got absolutely destroyed in non con by penn state and iowa state lost its first game in the mac to kent state but since then man they have now reeled off five straight wins they're looking like a wagon in the MAC. This is a year where there really hasn't been a dominant team in the conference, and there usually isn't. But Ohio's kind of starting to look like the, that team, and I'm really enjoying betting them because I feel like the market has not caught on. Yeah, you're. Uh, I think
3: you're going to look back at those winning tickets you had on Ohio, Tom. And be like, oh, yeah, I can see why he's the most coveted kid in the transfer portal this offseason. season. The, the quarterback, Curtis Curtis Rourke. Rourke. Yep. yeah, yeah, <laughs> um,
2: Canadian kid actually.
0: Does he have another Rourke brother?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think the kid that Amazing. was their starting quarterback before was North. Yeah,
3: he's brother.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: It, uh, you, so you like 25 for 35 for 372 and uh, and no no turnovers against... I can uh, dig it, yeah. Against probably the best defense in the MAC. I can dig it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it sounds better than 11 for 23.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that just caught me. I was like, huh. W- Will Levis and Richardson 11 to 23.
0: We will be back on Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time for a pun for the review. More notes from the games we did not get our eyes on, did not get a chance to dig into deep, plus the late night action. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Elliott 3 You can follow him at Tom Finnelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. And thank you to Barton Simmons. And congratulations to the Vanderbilt Commodores. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
4: Anchor down.